Yes, FBS is back, kicking it old school. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of For Buck's Sake. My name is Jason. You may remember me, I used to be the host of this show. Um, I'm back for one episode only, the uh, annual player ratings episode. It's one of my favorite ones to do each year. The season is over now, it's time to critique and analyze the season that was... Uh, as I said, my name's Jason. I'm back from the States, um, not in the FNR studios. We thought we'd kick it old school with the three OGs. Myself, the chief analyst of For Buck's Sake, Dave, welcome. Oh, welcome back, Jace. Thank you. Just like riding a bike, you just eased into that ever so easily. It feels you know, good. It's, just, it's almost like you maybe were rehearsing this on the plane a little <laughs> bit, you know, like... Weeks before, Weeks before Weeks that. Before. Weeks before that. Weeks before. Weeks before. And of course, the man of the people I speak, none other of Buds. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> thank God this season is over. But thank God you're back, Jace. Uh, yes. It's been nice. It's nice hearing you on the intro. Yeah, back for a couple of months and then uh, back off again. Uh, of course, we were on the FNR Football Nation Radio for the last uh, three months or so since February doing a live show, which shook up the, the format of the show and uh, introduced some new aspects, took away other aspects from the show. Uh, thanks to what FNR What are you fucking talking about, mate? <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Rudy and uh, Josh Parrish, who uh, filled in in my shoes. And, of course, Football Nation Radio, who uh, houses for the last three months. Yes. Indeed. Uh, we'll uh, hopefully be back there next year. We'll uh, still figure all that stuff out before we uh, before we make announcements on that front. Yeah, it'll be a bit of an off-season of pondering and hmm. trying to figure out what the best way forward is for FVS. Of course, and uh, to our loyal listeners, if you have any ideas of what you want to hear or you want to see next year, um, hit us on the DMs on the, um, for fuck's sake, Twitter and Facebook and yeah, tell us if you think... Uh, you want to hear us go back to an old school format or still stay on FNR? Let us know. Uh, of course, though, this week it's the uh, player ratings episode. Before that, there's lots to talk about, not just um, the season that was, but of course the game last night against Hiroshima. The Asian Champions League uh, petered out into yet another disappointing campaign for the victory after the lofty expectations that uh, came at the start of the season. I think I predicted that we'd be making the Champions League final and uh, we wait, we got one point which is the uh, that's that's the worst it's, Champions it's League campaign it's the worst ever campaign mm-hmm. by a Melbourne victory side I'm pretty sure by an Australian side one point mm. from a possible 18 uh, a shameful campaign when it's all said and done do you, do you happen to have any of the predictions yes I'm just searching oh, for them, them right out. now and if I can just bring them up just quickly while it uh, comes up here we go this is the predictions at the start of the year when we did the um, season preview show. Um, the I said Costa will be top scorer. I think Toivonen picked pretty, him at the post. Pretty close there, Jay. Yeah. It's not bad. I knew he'd have a good season, but uh, Ola ended up pipping him at the post. Uh, Ola said Honda would win the fans' vote. Ola has probably ended up pipping him at the post. We'll have more we'll on that, get to that later on. Uh, I tipped that we'd be playing Perth in the grand final. Dave tipped Adelaide and... Uh, yeah, so it didn't quite turn out. Almost. None of these, none of these, particularly way off the mark. No, the outlandish predictions, though. Yeah, this were is good. Slightly off the mark, buds. You said that Vuck wouldn't lose a game all season. Um, <laughs> that was that was done and dusted in game number one. And uh, Dave, you said James Tracy will win the Johnny Warren Medal. Now, it 
obviously didn't turn out. He didn't get probably anywhere near the voting, but a much improved season for yes. James Teresi, of course. And I said that, of course, we'd make the ACL final. A lot of us also trashed Wellington and uh, said that Central yeah. Coast was going to have a really good season. I think everybody got Wellington wrong. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not alone there. Of course. And, uh, of course, as I said, we'll be talking about the Hiroshima game. Uh, we're just discussing the end of an era. Melbourne Victory and Kevin Musket are no longer a couple. It's been 14 long years. Uh, up and down, a roller coaster throughout. We'll be analysing uh, that decision from Kevin Musket to walk away. Of course, we're going through the squad review. Every player rated. Dave, the chief analyst, has put a, uh, a mountain of work into that. And we're going to be uh, discussing every single player and uh, giving them a rating. We'll be discussing briefly the A-League Grand Final. we capping off our Honda Instagram updates and a few other things uh, on the Vuck Youth, the Socceroos, and other A-League things before signing off for the season. Music theme uh, is back as per usual. I thought it's been a big year for FES, a lot of uh, things going on in our lives. Uh, Dave, yeah. you didn't have any kids, but myself and the man of the people did. Uh, my little one is back here in Australia, which is uh, it was a difficult task bringing a kid on a 16-hour yeah. flight back from the United States. But she was a trooper. But um, I thought that this week we'd do music from former child stars and i've always wanted to uh, play a few of these tracks on the podcast and uh, of course i think uh, with me gone the music theme is some people say it's been better some people say it's been worse so i'm gonna choose all the songs and i'm gonna go as corny as possible to piss those people off that don't like my music choices <laughs> so let's get into it you're listening to for fuck's sake baby can't you see Temple Brewhouse in Brunswick East, home of the award-winning bicycle beer. Temple's amazing beer is all brewed on site in the amazing brewhouse in Brunswick East. Their team of experienced and skilled brewers work hard to ensure that you enjoy every mouthful of delicious craft beer. It doesn't get any fresher than this. Your beer's brewed footsteps away from where you are enjoying it. The bar, restaurant and function space is big enough for 100 people and ensures you can enjoy a warm, comfy experience for any occasion. Visit the team at 122 Western Street, Brunswick East and give them a follow on Insta at Temple Brewing. Thank you to Temple Brewing and each and every one of our sponsors. You'll hear the other ones throughout the course of the show. Uh, And of course, thank you to our Patreon subscribers who uh, subscribed and chipped in money during the year. Uh, We're going to send out some of those uh, rewards this this coming week within about seven days now that I'm back in the country and have organised all of that. Uh, It it feels so good to be back with Britney Spears on the podcast. It feels so good. Uh, (laughs) Let's discuss the ACL result yesterday. kind of want to gloss over the game because it's been a shitty uh, campaign and I Mm -hmm. want to talk about more pressing matters and more important matters like Kevin Musket's reign and uh, the squad review because these podcasts usually historically go for a fair amount of time so uh, really briefly Dave another disappointing results and um, 
Unbelievable. Uh, boys, this time it wasn't the mayor of Hiroshima saying, what the fuck was that? Uh, the boys came out with a lot of energy and vigour, you know, and obviously there's nothing to play for, but you just had this sense that they'd really push and drive for a result, and I think they did, but we just didn't have the quality. Even the youth players that Hiroshima sent over just seem to have a better sense of organisation and a better sense of togetherness on the pitch and it's, it's you know, where, it fell where, apart. It's where Kev's fallen down. It was men against boys and their boys beat the shit out of our men. Yep. Um, we've shipped 13 goals in three games. Um, Kevin Musket's defensive game plan and our game plan for the midfield has just completely fallen apart in the latter stages of the season and in this campaign we've just been shown up and that's why it, he had to go. So you'd say it's time for Kevin Musket to go? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If ever there was a game... <laughs> that showed that a club needed a fresh start, mm. it was this game. Mm-hmm. And, and this is to not belittle or, or discredit anything that's happened before last night. But, you know, it, it's, 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 it's plain and obvious to everyone. And the beauty of this, and we'll obviously get to this when we talk about Kevin specifically, but the beauty of this is that all parties have recognised this fact. Yeah, yeah it's he, good that the decision came. He put his strongest possible team out on the park and it was still, they played hopeless. Is there anything we can take or draw any positives? It was just a, a real dead rubber type game after a crushing loss the week before to Sydney. It's just... One positive, Jason. Yeah. The fact that we get to see Ola Toivonen and run around again mm-hmm. next season. You know, we might get to see a little bit more of that magic moment. But I, I don't want to just see set piece Ola Toivonen. I want to see him integrated into a system mm-hmm. where we get the most out of him. I want to see the big man, little man combination you know, two strikers. And I know we kind, of, we kind of have done that with Costa, but I still think, you know, we, we kind of need this sort of industrious, busy little man feeding off Ola to, to a different kind of extent that Costa has. So, yeah, all of this will be uh, uncovered during the off-season and the new manager and the recruitment. Now, this was undoubtedly the best squad on paper we've assembled, the worst results, worst ACL campaign in victory's history, is it a case of we just didn't have the cattle? We, we think we have a really good team, but if it's not happening now, then is it ever going to happen? Or is it just a case of uh, Kevin Musket just doesn't have the game plan to, to conquer Asia? Oh, look, it, it, it's not down to one thing. I think we there was a certain point in the campaign where we threw in the towel. And mm-hmm. that was obvious, you know, when we had to balance the responsibilities of, of the A-League alongside the Asian Champions League. Mm-hmm. You know, we were sending off uh, the B-side to do, to do the job and... It was funny how in one of those games that the B-side actually put up a better performance than what we saw in the previous games in that campaign. But, uh, yeah, not one particular reason. I just think, you know, we threw everything into it. It didn't work out, and then we just kind of let it slip away. I think there's only a very small sample size of the season where the team looked cohesive and completely gelling as a unit. I think it was a very unbalanced year. I think it was a very unbalanced squad. Um, we kn- we know how poorly we recruited for fullbacks. Mm-hmm. We we really needed them. We went and got them. They didn't work out. We knew that guys like Corey Brown and Storm Rue were going to get exposed in Asia. They did. Um, we kind of did have a at the end of the season and last night we did have a big man little man combination with Costa Barbarousas running off Toivonen, and it's just the fact that I think Costa. 
Costa wasn't uh, my favourite player in the last latter parts of the season. His head he, hasn't seemed in the right place. It hasn't, and his body language has been Feels bad. like he's on his way out, he's doesn't been, it? Yeah, he's been arguing a lot with teammates, arguing with the refs heaps, throwing his hands in the air, um, just doing stupid little runs. And look, every every Ford foray last night especially, there was um, patience patient build up a little bit at the top of the box but then just nothing like the only person that was able to penetrate with a ball through was um honda honda still looks honda's heads out the door but he's 10 times a professional that most of our other players are and he looked head and shoulders above every other player on the pitch and it was quite funny the space that he was being awarded by the young kids who grew up idolizing him yeah it was funny i love what you, how you started that particular section there buds because there was this little snapshot early in the season when Toivonen came back in, you know, Honda and Rue were combining on the right extremely well. There was this patch of maybe five games mm-hmm. where we looked unstoppable. And it was at that point where we thought, wow, this this is going places. But I think during the course of the season, things started to fall apart, as they do. And, you know, obvious salary cap pressures, all of that usual hoo-ha. Depth. You compare the benches, and I know you guys touched on this in the last podcast. Compare the benches in that Sydney semi-final loss. You know, mm. we had Valeri, Rue, Kenny Athew, and, and Hope. You know, and compare that with Sydney, Danny De Silva, Reggie Kuchanajad, Caceres. You know, our squad was top heavy. We knew that all along. It's like Kev's just gone all in at the blackjack table. You know, he's gone in and, you know, when it backfires, it backfires. Mm-hmm. If it pays off, it pays off. So, Look, I think last night, one of the only positives you could take out of it and the last couple of games was um, the young boy, Benny Carrigan, that's been given yeah, a go. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, that's, that's a bit of future that we've got, but um, Kev's gone now, so who knows if those kids will ever get a game again. Yeah, let's move on to the end of the Kevin Musket era. Uh, if you're a... Uh, avid fan of FES, you'll know that we're the ones that broke that story. Mm. Not uh, other media outlets who were patting themselves on the back. <laughs> that was funny, wasn't accepting it? the kudos. Mm. Uh, but we were the ones that tweeted that and put it on Facebook on, I think it was on, was it on Friday or the, the yeah. Thursday? Well, well before anyone else did. How good was Brenton's speed? <laughs> exclusive. Oh. He claimed the exclusive on the weekend. Yeah, Mr. Block himself mm-hmm. um, claiming that they uh, alluded to it and broke it. He would have uh, seen the, it if he didn't block big, me. The big blue semi-final. It's like, t- please. So let's let's talk about the decision, and I think it's one that pretty much is unanimous uh, amongst all Victory fans that it uh, is time. He, of course, signed a two-year contract this time last year, which was uh, a bit of a head-scratching move at the time, turned into a genius move by the board when he won his title, uh, or his second title as a, as a manager. But uh, a time for a refresh, there's an opportunity, but let's, uh, let's talk about the time uh, with... Uh, Kevin Musket and the, the Melbourne Victory over the last 14 years. He's been synonymous with the club, been there longer than anyone for from pretty much day dot. Uh, he is a club legend as much as uh, we've had a love-hate relationship with him at uh, certain points. You can't ignore the impact that he's had on the Melbourne Victory. This is a really odd, odd feeling for everyone because it's hard to think of a, of a Melbourne Victory side without Kevin Musket. It's been tumultuous. It's been... He's been there from the very beginning. Uh, most of this has been really good, you know, because 
the club has experienced so much success. And I think that comes down a lot to him as a person. He's driven. You know, he's just an incredible, fastidious organiser on the pitch. And, you know, he learnt how to apply the good aspects of that off the pitch. And obviously he had a great mentor early on in Ange. You know, and that was definitely part of that. Uh, let's not forget Magilton uh, for those those <laughs> couple of games. Of course. Yeah. Buds, any parting words for uh, for our dear leader? Thanks, Kev. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. Look, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're going to um, look back. I think on this is um, the glory years um, and the strongest possible era of the club ever. Because let's face it, when these stalwarts that have these big looming shadows and they leave their shadows on clubs, um, nothing ever comes good of it after. Um, immediately after mm-hmm. um, two three seasons in we might find that we've gone through two or three managers um, Melbourne Victory need to really nail the next manager and um, if we're if we're um, to believe some of the scuttlebutt I saw the last night too there also might be a uh, chairman moving on as well no uh, no that was that, that was, that that was uh, put <laughs> doused quickly or at least good. you know it wasn't really uh I think it was a mistake tweet, but anyway, um, Dave, can you can you reveal who's uh, been potentially scouted as a as a replacement for Kevin Musket? It's I my understanding, yes, that the club have had a dialogue with Walter Zenger. That'd be a disgrace. That would be an absolute disgrace. So no. there is they have they have sounded him out. That that's on, on pretty good authority. Um, I think Michael Zapponi also ran with that. Um, he, oh, it's out there. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely there. it's. Uh, We're not it's breaking not that. He has been said that. had. Success only in, and I liked the way you said it, he's only had success at Red Star when anyone could win that league That's right. with Red Star. And I think at uh, Stau Bucharest, because he's got a Romanian um, uh, citizenship as well. Look, this reeks of uh, some Italian uh, Inter Milan fans that want to rub shoulders with the legend that they call Spider-Man. Um, I would hate this move. Uh, in his last five seasons, he's had four sackings and one relegation. Um, I've I've looked up some um, some articles from the Italian press, and he is very much struggling. Where's he been at last? Venezia. Yep, he's had eighteen clubs in the last twenty years as a manager. Yeah, um, hasn't really stayed longer than about three. three he years. lasts like three or four months in mm-hmm. some of them. Uh, in the Middle East, he's lasted three months, six months. He just keeps getting sacked. Um, yeah, and look, I don't understand why you would want to put this guy in the hot seat of this club. I don't either. And look, we should stress, it's all early doors. Yeah, of course. And, and none, of course. Of, none of this is out there. But I want to ask, you know, to flip it back to you, Jason, yep. to, and to Buds, were you guys surprised at Kevin's tears? The emotion that no, he showed? No, not at all. No, 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 no I loved it. Huge I've, never seen, I've never seen him uh, quite as emotional as that, I don't think. I, I think he probably feels like he is the club, in a way. Yeah, yeah. That he's... Forget about, you know, the, the board or whatever, the players. He probably thinks that I am Melbourne Victory. I've been here since day, day dot. I've, uh, I'm basically the reason why Victory is, is, very, is a very big part of why Victory yeah, has such a foothold. Don't let Tony Isaac in. But yeah, look, he, he, came back, he came back in his prime yep. and he believed in something and he, yeah. you know, believed in what could be of the A-League and what could be of Victory. And 
you know, he's the godfather of Melbourne victory. 100%. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, we, we've talked about Zenger and other names that have been thrown up are Marco Kurtz and, and a lot of people saying Chris Coleman, but I think that's pie in the sky. I think, you know, he's him to come mega, to the A-League mega would, bucks be, in China. would be, you know, a massive step down, no disrespect to, to our domestic league. But um, for me, I, I don't really particularly mind... Uh, Obviously, you want a name and someone with experience and someone with, with stature. But ultimately, I think there's a, there's a particular environment at Melbourne Victory. And I think it's, it's about getting this balancing act right. Managing the expectation of success and bringing in new talent at the same time. So I think we can all agree that for the most part, Kev took that results-based conservative approach, right? Mm-hmm. I think the new manager... The success measure will be obviously you know, if if this new manager, whoever it ends up being, is interested in placating new fans or placating fans, they'll pull that lever ever so slightly in the other direction, still playing to win, but also integrating youngsters at a faster rate. Because I think Melbourne Victory fans love the hometown. I think most football fans love the hometown boy mm-hmm. coming through the ranks. All of that. We, I think we all want to see a greater kind of balance in the way that's done. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have to get to work pretty soon, I'd say. There's, there's time uh, we can't we can't waste any time really. It's uh, it's what May now. The preseason kind of starts getting into gear in about July. You want to start signing players pretty quickly. You don't want to do that without a manager. Uh, although I'm sure they probably will sign a few. I'm glad you mentioned that because I tell you one thing: we absolutely do not want. Mm-hmm. Is for signings and decisions to be made while the club is managerless. I, I don't want that. I, I simply don't want to see a situation where we're making decisions on who's in, who's out, because there's a lot of out-of-contract players. We'll get to that. I don't want any of them to be leaving without the manager first yeah. making that decision. Anthony Creer's leaving, apparently. Yep. So it's, and I'm interested to see if, if, if Trimboli stays, Carlos Salvatore, you know, a new manager. It's likely that he'll get his own back room. Mm-hmm. Is Carlos one that you'd consider? It's an interesting one because we don't know him to yeah. the extent. Um, he's come in as an assistant, you know, a brains trust. Yeah. And does he have the acumen in terms of communication and man management in an Australian context? You know, that that's the big step, I think, that you know, players have to be able to really relate to someone in that way and mm-hmm. being from that non-English speaking background, you know, there's challenges there. It's not impossible, obviously, but I, you know, I think his, I'd, his I'd, pedigree is good. Yeah, I'd be open to it. If he's going to, if he's going to try his hand in a league to yeah. see if he's up for it, it'd probably be this one. It's been far worse um, when it, when it comes to resumes, um, get senior gigs in this league. Yeah, you just have to wonder though if it'll end up being more of the same in terms of a game plan. And things like that. Uh, we'll leave it there, though. Uh, of course, Kevin Musket, the impact he had on the buck was huge, but I think we are all ready as Victory fans for a fresh start and uh, potentially a, a more exciting, uh, thrilling brand of football. I think that. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> it could go the it other could way. Be, it could be another Mehmet uh, Mark II. You used to call me on my cell phone. Late night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Late night when you need
Royal Parade Creative is a Melbourne-based studio that produces simple, clever design solutions done with a high level of care and sophistication. Specialising in brand identity development and redevelopment, campaign art direction, topography, illustration and digital, Royal Parade offers a lot of services you'd expect from a large agency without the large agency price tag. So if you need a new club badge, billboard, corporate logo or bar menus, get in touch and find out how Royal Parade can make it happen. Mention FVS for a 10% discount off your first design project, brandartdesignthinkingroyalpde.com. Thank you so much to Royal Parade, another very, very supportive sponsor of FVS. Uh, and I think they, they do, they obviously, Royal Parade, Wayne, behind Royal Parade, does the Sud yes. apparel. Uh, Keep your eyes out because I believe the very popular Swan Street T-shirt it's already been announced is reissued in jumper form. Via ready email, for, ready for the, the ready for the winter. So keep an eye out on Sud Clothing. I think it's uh, Sud Casuals on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll uh, also put it out there. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out. Uh, let's do the squad review. This is one of my favourite things to do each and every year. We go through each and every single player that played for the Buck this year and give them a rating uh, on like a school grade type uh, scale. This is, uh, this is what the Chief Analyst lives for. Yeah. Now, uh, Dave... Isn't very harsh usually with these gradings. It's, <laughs> it's very lenient. Um, now, the the criteria for this is you're graded based upon your ability and, and potential. Uh, you know, we, and then your output. And your output. Now, Dave, uh, I would go. I would say, looking through your list, and you've, you've been very extensive. Uh, you haven't given any Fs. I would say there'd be two Fs. I would. I'll, I'll, I'm going to pull out some Ds and probably some C minuses yep. too. So he's left plenty of meat on the bone. Yeah, yeah, and that's where you guys come in. Yeah. You know? Offer that counterpoint. Offer, offer that differing opinion to me because I think I am like that generous teacher. You know, I feel sorry for the kid. You know, everyone starts on no, 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 not quite like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't. Don't like being a I'm more of an encouraging type, you know. Yeah, so, that's yeah. good. And then after that, we'll um, we'll talk about who's out of contract, who might be leaving, yeah. who might be staying. Uh, we did have a full list of who's in contract, who's out of contract, and I'm sure there'll be some mutual terminations along the line. We might discuss those a bit later on. But let's start on the goalkeepers, the last line of defence, uh, with the uh, the person who was the number one custodian for much of the season and has been for quite some time, but. Uh, Amid rumours of uh, potentially leaving, lost his spot at the end of the year. Some say it was injury. Some say there were some funny buggers going on behind the scenes. Dave, you're certainly one to subscribe to that theory. Lawrence Thomas, your grading for Lawrence Thomas. Yeah, we mentioned Costa Barbarossis and some of the, the body language stuff. I think I think uh, Lawrence is also, you know, sort of halfway out the door. And mm. I think the last few weeks have perhaps indi- indicated that. Look, he didn't do too much wrong across the whole season. He had to deal with the ever-changing back four, you know, this flimsy fullback situation and you know thinking back to 2017-18 there's a pretty high bar for him to replicate that season and that finals campaign so look I still think overall he holds his number one status across the league as, as far as keepers are concerned but yeah Curto, Redmayne, Reddy all right up there this season um, B plus for Thomas because I don't think he did too much wrong that's fair yeah I'm with that yeah, that's fair <laughs> uh, now the person that was uh Challenging him for much of the year and got a few games towards the end of the season. Matt Acton, your rating day for Matt Acton. It's a B. Uh, he got a lot more opportunities, uh, a couple of shaky moments, but I think you know 
in, it's the different position. You're a goalkeeper, and you, when you do get called upon, you you don't have that match fitness that you know or alert alertness that field players might have. You know, so you spend a lot of time on the pine, and then you're you're in. So it does take a little bit of time to get that sort of familiarity. He did enough to me, and to I think most of us, um, to show that if Thomas was to leave, he'd be a worthy replacement. You know, the jury's out as to whether he'd be uh, up to that level, but. I think, you know, enough confidence there to see. And all of this is new manager dependent, you know. And the new manager may want to bring someone else new. He may want to say to Lawrence Thomas, well, we're going to give you a little pay rise. Mm -hmm. So all that remains to be seen. Hopefully we're not giving pay rises to goalkeepers. We should be doing this tried and true method that we've done for for a little while now since Mitchell Angarak. Try and get the the younger keepers in on, you know, good coin that are fully capable at A-League level. And then, you know, if they give us a few years of good service, then if they're good enough to make it overseas, they can. If they're good enough to make a, a bit more money, you let them go and you try and regenerate the next one. He's at the right age, Matt mm-hmm. Acton, to take the step up. So, you know, yep. if, if that is in, ends up happening, I'm okay and with And Lawrence it. Thomas did his apprenticeship in much the same vein as, as Matt Acton. On to the defenders now. Thomas Deng, um, you've given him a B. Buds, your immediate thoughts on that? Harsh or lenient? Lenient. Lenient. I thought lenient. Lenient. Yeah. Interesting. Well, he's, he's done his job. He hasn't done anything great. I wouldn't have thought that the defence as a whole this year... Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think there's been any B-graders in the defence this year, to be honest. I think he suffers from this, you know... Uh, identity, identity crisis. Some people see him as a right-back. I, I, I see him as a central defender. I, even though he's not quite that height, um, he's still prone to brain fades, you know, and I think that's still down to his stage of development. But, um, you know, he was one of the consistent players in terms of, you know, regularly appearing. You know, he did a lot of hard yards this season and I still think he's got a lot of room for development at his age. Yeah, I just think that the time for being developed for him is now. I think we we should be having a kid who's been back for a couple of years who had senior football, then went to Europe, then has come back and he's had three seasons of senior football since then. I would have thought that he'd be more of um, yeah. more of a finished product now. I think he's still got... I reckon this is his first season, though, as a locked-in starter, though. As in, in previous years, I think he's been in and out yeah. of the side. But That's a fair call. Look, I, I, I think, think we expect a, a lot, though. We do expect yeah. a lot. Now we move on. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to September 20th. Oh, no. 21st, 2018, and there's an article... Um, on goal.com and the the headline is Corey Brown aiming for Socceroo selection after oh, taking no. up Melbourne Victory Challenge. He actually spoke shortly after signing up with Melbourne Victory that um, he was ready to take his game to the next level and uh, not only enter the Socceroos discussion but demand a, uh, a spot in the team. Wow, that is and a now, Dave, good find there, Jason. You've given him a D. Now, this is your most lenient one. Um, I know we're talking about um, we're grading players based upon their level and their output. Um, this guy, for me, was a an abject failure. He gets an F for me. He gets an F for me because he sucks and he lost his place <laughs> in the team. <laughs> to, a, to a player that wasn't even a, I love it. a natural position. Yeah. But the thing is, for me, uh, where I came to the D, the expectations weren't that high to begin with, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I think we were expecting 
you know, Roberto Carlos. You know, this is this is a player who was just a bit part player at Brisbane, came in, I don't think he was on big wages as well. But look, he was given that left back role to begin with, to own it. Yep. And he failed. He's lost and his job. Yep. It was probably pretty well known within that the first six weeks that he wasn't going to hold on to that once the squad came together and we yeah. got through the injury uh, rough patch that we uh, seemingly went on all season really but once we got through that he'd lose his spot and sure enough uh, by the end of the season he was uh, not even the match day squads not on the bench he was uh, he was well and truly on the outs part of the B team playing in the ACL he has one year left on his two year deal but as I said before <laughs> I would earmark him for a mutual termination he might want to hold on to his uh, guaranteed money next year um, we might have to do a Jonathan Brew and just say, um, the team's going to train over here, Corey. You train over there by yourself and um, we'll, we'll lock you out until you leave. Oh. Uh, James Donachie came back halfway through the year on a loan deal. I think he will be going back. I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing with the Buck. Um, yeah, he was uh, probably what we needed at the time and I think he well and truly... You said there wasn't any B-listers on this one or any B-grades, but I think he was probably... Uh, the pick of the bunch in terms of the, the defenders. Uh. He did what was expected of him, I guess. You know, he, he made an impact. He slotted straight in. You know, he had that familiarity with the side. You know, He was serviceable. A couple of moments where I remember recalling you know, he's having an imperious game, you know, winning a lot of balls in the air and that sort of stuff, but um, you know, didn't shoot the lights out either. Yeah. You know? like just be, Sometimes really. maybe good, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> maybe shit. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, that's a good segue into the following uh, player, George Niedermeyer. Uh, yeah. Just, I think we we probably put too too high raps on him. We thought this was Del Pierre number two, and uh, he turned out to show glimpses, but oh, never but really get going. Dead said, I reckon he played three good games. This is a, a tough one because I think <laughs> when when he arrived, the pedigree was good, but there was this injury record that he did have and that came to fruition you know that really you know became an issue it was frustrating you know there was periods in the season where he just kept on getting injured he came on I remember one game he came on for a couple of minutes and he got injured and you know I think he was above a league standard you know when he started to string a few games together he he did look good and he was a, a solid contributor back at the back and and then you know there was that game was it a derby yeah he was it a derby or against Sydney FC? I'm, I'm struggling to remember now. It was, a derby, it was a derby. Derby, yeah. Had. Got sent off. Gave away a penalty. Um, Change the game. Yeah. Very early too. Insane. Yeah, and that that was hard to erase from the mind that that moment. I thought what we were going to get with him was a leader and someone. I think that's fundamentally what the defence lacked this season: a real leader, a talisman. And he just wasn't that. And yeah, he was injured too much. And then when he was fine, he's disciplinary record wasn't that great so I, I think the plus is lenient I think he's a C do yeah. you think this year is a cautionary tale for uh, next season's recruiting in that we maybe went to we said top heavy but we also went old um, Niedermeyer Toivonen Honda, Honda all out for very long periods of time wrong wrong side of 30 that's is, a fair call yeah that's is, a fair call Jace. probably something we have to look at next year Storm Roo, um C plus, this is about right. Showed glimpses once again, but lost his spot in the uh, team by the end of the season. Oh, I just, you know, this was always one of those ones where it's like, yeah, he's okay. You know, before he arrived at the club, he's, he never, it wasn't like a, an amazing signing. You didn't think of it as 
wow, we've really done well here. But again, I want to get everyone who's listening to this to cast your minds back to that little period that we had from about round four to round nine, you know, where we went on that superb run. <clears throat> Rue was a big part of that at the time. He was linking up so well down that right flank. And then it just all fell apart. You know, he dropped off massively. Look, he's contracted for another season and, you know, and I, I'm a bit, I feel sorry for him a bit because I don't think Deng at right back offered a great deal more. I don't mm-hmm. think Rue is you know, an amazing right back to have, but I just don't know he whether complete, it was better. He completely lost Kevin's trust. Yep. So... I think you worth worth another go next year just to agreed. see what happens. Um, but I you think can you could say both of our right backs Kev had trust issues with. So yeah, um, yeah there's a couple of incidents there with uh, Dingy. What did he say that time? You've got your five you've minutes. Got five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Lee Broxham uh, is the next one. We slotted in as a defender this year, and once again <gasps> the old Lee Broxham adage is true. Uh, starts the season not in the best 11, finishes the season in the best 11 <laughs> time and time again. This is probably the fourth or fifth year in a row. Uh, when it's all said and done, he'll be uh, certainly someone that's going to be part of the best ever victory 11, probably the 20-year anniversary when they do another dinner. Uh, he'll be in the uh, in the starting 11, I dare say, or certainly on the bench. He had another excellent season playing a utility role once again. How could you not love him? I mean, as we've touched on, I mean, you could pretty much write the same thing. It's been four or five seasons where he's come in, he's done a job, and uh, look, we haven't had the success this year. I think there was a lot of uh, joy to be had, you know, that season when he scored that third goal in the grand final. You know, that was the cherry on top of the Broxham utility role. And um, you know, look, club man forever, and look, he's, he's staying on at the club, so that's good news. On to the midfielders now, and we'll start off with Terry Antonis. Terry, the redeemer. Uh, he had an excellent season, I thought. Dave, what do you think? B plus for B+. me. Uh, 2017, 2018, like, you know, season before this one, tough act to follow, like particularly that final series. And consistently an influential cog in our midfield, a real barometer. When he's up and going, racing up and down, and you know, really that link-up man between defence and midfield, and you know, he's, he's always looking for that forward pass. So I think when, when he's on song... We, we seem to create more chances and it's, it's we're better to watch. <laughs> Consistently amazing, unfortunately for us, um, after that game at the SCG, when he hurt his knee, mm. uh, he really didn't come back at, and offer the same kind of performances, which is completely understandable and unfortunately for this side, that was in the business end of the season. So um, pre to that uh, knee, he was amazing. Now, Dave, you've got Elvis Cam Sober next. You just deleted it from I'm, the uh, I'm deleting Google it. document. I'm putting him <laughs> right above the attackers with Kenny Athey. I want to do them together. Oh, okay. I'll tell you later on. Nice improvising. Uh, James Shreese is next, and uh, he got an F last year from me. From you, yeah. He copped <laughs> the biggest spray, uh, one of the biggest sprays that I've given on the podcast. Maybe that was what turned him around, Jace. Maybe. Your spray. I, th- I think the boys listen to FES. And, you know. I would have no doubt that James Shreese would eat, read his own press. Yeah. He might not listen to FES, but I would say he would, listen, he would read his own press. Well, you know, if you go into Google and you... Listen for Melbourne Victory radio shows or yep. podcasts. There's only one that comes up. That's true. Maybe he's uh, got a thirst to, to listen about himself. That's the. Uh, I would expect nothing less from a, a Cockshaw ethnic. Ooh, yeah. But James Reese, much, much, much improved uh, season this uh, this yep. year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 
starting to actually, you know, there were moments where he was looking like a marquee player in that newfangled 4-4-2 diamond that, that Kev uh, rolled out this season. And, you know, he seemed to run out of puff towards the end of the, the season. His influence dropped off. But I think that was concurrent with the team as a whole. Yeah, and unfortunately for us, through hamstring at the wrong end of the season again, uh, was very noticeably missed in the 6-1 loss in Sydney, uh, but a great season from Jimmy, and uh, I hope we uh, see him have another season like that again. So a B-plus for James Tracy. Uh, next on the list is Anthony Lesiotis, uh, a young gun who came from Melbourne City in the off-season. and. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sh- yeah, showed that he's uh, he's capable. Didn't get uh, as much time as maybe uh, he would have had un- another A-League squad if he was playing. Given you know, that's just part and parcel of playing for Melbourne Victory, um, but you liked what you saw, Dave. It looked promising in parts. Yeah, limited opportunities, uh, as, as we're aware, but there, there were there were times where I think he was serviceable. I think he seems to have a future at the club as a, you know, I think in the next season still as a squad player and a backup option in, in central midfield. I don't think I'd throw him in, you know, at this point as, as a starter, but I, I think there's enough there. We saw enough uh, and I'm giving him a B based on that. Happy with that, Buds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe That's see. a very lenient one. Let's just wait and see what happens next year. It'll be yeah, great and harsher. Exactly. Uh, Carl Valeri, uh, his final season with the VAC, uh, we didn't speak too much about him uh, prior to, to now, um, but he's been huge for victory as well and uh, one of the greatest captains uh, we'll have, I think, um, better than Milligan, I think. It was just yeah. a, a just a personified Melbourne victory culture, I think, and uh, really led the team well. And uh, you could tell that the players want to play for Carl Valeri. Better year for him as well. He uh, he you know, piggybacked off his final series last season, which was much better than his regular season. And uh, he was serviceable. Didn't start the year in the in the, in the the starting 11, uh, despite being captain, but took his new role and, uh, and got his opportunities once the injuries came. Yeah, it was an interesting one, you know, because for years we've been having that double pivot in, in the four two three one under both Ange and, and Kevin. And so the, the the selection dilemma, who do you play at the top of, of, of that, sorry, at the bottom of, the, of that diamond, it was an interesting one. You know, solid yet unspectacular. I think it was obvious that he, again, this season lost a yard of pace. Uh, right time for him to hang up the boots. But um, I can't admire him enough. Um, he is a club legend. You, know, you don't win titles and and perform the way he has consistently over the period of time that he has with the adversity that he's faced as well. Um, and, and, you know, I hope that he has some continued involvement at the club. Yeah, he, he as will. Do I, as he do will. I. He, he, he was able to handle big egos in the dressing rooms well yeah, when they respected him. Cool. I think he's, um, he's going to be sorely missed in the, uh, the dressing rooms and the training ground. The next one is Raul Bena, uh, the Spanish midfielder who came to us on loan. Uh, interesting. You gave him a B. He yeah, had, was he had his moments. He, he, he had the pedigree, obviously, but injuries once again curtailed um, what could have been a great season. And was it suspension as well? No, just injuries at the start yeah, of the year. Just injuries, you know, and like niggly ones, you know, mm. that he just seemed to keep him out for a periods important periods too like I think he was a decent link up player and, and, and 
a massive step up on some of the imports that we've had in the past. You know, it wasn't just wasn't brilliant, but I like the fact that he had a couple of different you know strings in his bow. Yeah, you know, like he had a, a little bit of a, a different factor to him. He had that defensive capability, but he was also a little bit more adventurous as well. I like him. I want to keep him. I hope he sticks around. His um his social media game yeah. and his um his worth is far more than just on the pitch with us. I think he's hilarious. Uh, the little the little cameo he did of Carl Valeri with his mask on in the changing room the other day was hilarious. If you haven't seen it, try and track that down. It just comes down to whether he's Spanish club, um, whether he wants to go, whether whether the new manager wants to keep him. You know, because uh, for those of you that aren't aware, he was on loan to us, so we we haven't you know acquired him, so he could just go back and we'll never see him again. Next one we're going to review is the uh, the most hyped signing in, in victory history or let's say kind of on par with the uh, signing of Harry Kuehl back when. Uh, Keske Honda, um, now this is really just a tale of two parts before injury and after injury. Yeah, spot on. Uh, I've given him a B and look, maybe I'm being generous, I don't know, but I think B's about right because look, he missed a third of the season and I think after the injury, as you've touched on JC, he just wasn't as great like he's still a cut above and and still you just watch the way he moves when he's on the ball when he's off the ball the way he, you know just the way he carries himself on the pitch you know he's clearly a, a superior player but for the outlay that we put out and for the expectations that we had I, I just you know I feel like he just wasn't utilized in the right way either and that was frustrating mm. I didn't like the way he was used all year either I didn't see any bombs. We didn't get any big goals. We didn't get anything from him, really, in an attacking sense. He was head and shoulders above what anyone could do in a movement capacity, in a passing capacity, in a link-up capacity. He was unbelievable, but I just don't think that we used him to uh, the best of the abilities that we saw of him in Europe and even in Mexico. You saw some of the highlight reels of his mm-hmm. time in Mexico and he was scoring some absolute bombs and it's what you want from the marquee players. It's what you want from the big flashy names. You want the moments and we didn't get any moments, I don't believe. Yeah, I missed a lot of games obviously because of time zones and things like that. Did he score a, a goal from a, a set piece at all? No. no. Ola, Ola ended up... We thought, <laughs> we thought we were going to get that from um, Keske but we ended up getting that from Ola. Do you want to know what I hope doesn't happen as a result, result of this? knowing our board, they've just gone and spent big coin on arguably Asia's biggest name, mm-hmm. one of Asia's biggest names. They thought, this is going to be our ticket. This is going to be our way to utilise the plus one spot in the ACL. We're going to get more exposure in Asia, all these things. They've just gone basically all in on Keske Honda for this reason. It hasn't worked out. I can see this board now just going... Stuff this Asia stuff. We're just gonna go for the walks. <laughs> I think I think Di Pietro is never gonna let that happen. I think he's got too lofty yeah, ambitions you, for you, that. You think that, but I I don't know. Like A League independence, everything that's coming. I, I want us to branch out into Asia a lot more and all of that. But I just reckon this 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 might this experience. You know, maybe I don't know. I don't see the balance sheets. I don't know. Did the club utilise him enough from a marketing perspective? No, no, well, The no, feeling no, is no. They wasted the whole thing. Yeah. It'd be very, very interesting. I'd love to talk to someone from the club, uh, Trent Jacobs or something like that. We were offered Trent Jacobs once and never materialised, but you'd just love to talk I'm on and trees. chew his ear off about like 
the opportunities that they thought that was going to be presented to them, the opportunities that they maybe squandered. Uh, cash bet was a monumental stuff up. Um, just, yeah, they just, they didn't utilize it. They, they got the biggest player in Asia and they ended up going into the ACL with the Metro, uh, was it Metrocon as a sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm sure the club oh, no, would be uh, thrilled TCL. that we're reminding them of that. TCL, of course. That basically screwed the whole Asian Champions League campaign from day one. On and off the pitch. Yeah, just completely bottled it. And had a lot of time to prepare for it from a marketing standpoint and uh, also on the field. Uh, let's move along to uh, Josh Hope. Now, uh, I wouldn't say an F. Um, you've been lenient, though, I think, in your grading of a C. Just didn't take the step up when he needed to. We we would have really been able to use him during that uh, period where there was lots of injuries and, and things like that, but just uh, became a bit of a whipping boy by the end of the season amongst fans. This is hard because uh, opportunities and, and a prolonged stint in the first team, you know, starting is when you start to get comfortable in a team. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really harsh at Melbourne Victory a lot of the time, you know, like we're quick to quick to jump to conclusions about players. He's still very young. I, I will say he hasn't come on as we'd like, you know, because there are certain young players who've come on, you know, and getting their opportunities and they take it with both hands and it's like, wow, you know. Um, that hasn't happened with him. I just think there's just an element to his game that's missing, you know, and you know, he has a laconic style that I think at the lower levels you see him when he plays in the NPL, you know, um, he's just a cut above. He just weaves his way through. But in the A-League, he just doesn't have that same degree of... Because in- it's more intense. It's, it's hmm. just the step up is different. And, yeah, I think maybe he'll get more chances under new management. Who knows? But, yeah, the jury is out. But I'm um, yeah, a C. Maybe I'm being generous. I don't I'll know. T- I'll tell you what he's missing from his game. Skill. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give him an N for no good. Wow. Oh, tough. They're not even an F. That's uh, an M. He is 21 years of age, though, but he's still about 55 kilos. He needs to put on a bit of weight or else he might uh, follow the same fate or as Casper uh, Tafta, who just uh, just got monstered in a phys- physical A-League um, by by bigger players. Uh, another young player, Raman Akbari, um, a C plus for you, Dave. Pretty much just uh, neither here on, here nor there. Just not seen enough of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there's so much potential there from what we've seen at, at the NPL level, and you know his form in in that competition suggests that you know he's got something about him. I think he needs, needs more chances. I would yeah. have loved to have seen him have more opportunities. The great man Josh Parrish has run mm. a free Akbari <laughs> campaign this yep. year. It's replaced free Negro. Yep. Stephen Negro has been released by the Raw. I'd love to see him oh, come back geez. and have one more chance with the Vuck. Let's move on to the attackers. And uh, the person who's going to be our marquee man next season, he was under the cap this year and everyone was uh, in disbelief as to how that occurred. But he is, uh, from what we are hearing, he's going to be a, a marquee player next year. And that is Ola Toivonen. Um, we actually forgot to mention the votes uh, before <laughs> in the game. Uh, he did take out the... Lion Metals, that's uh, changed. Does that change mid year? Yes, the Lion Metals now. Is that the third name change in his, uh, the last yeah. 12 months? Jeez, okay. I don't care as long as they pay the bills. You yeah, know. I'm sure they're evading some tax somehow with those name changes. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, <laughs> but the um, the uh, Balls of Steel votes for the uh, Hiroshima game is three to Ola Toivonen, two to Cal Valeri, and one to Honda. Ula and Honda were tied on 27 leading into this game, so that means Ula Toivonen takes out the Balls of Steel medal uh, votes on 30 votes. Honda, 28, and Tonus, 21. Costa, 20. 
Cherisi 18 and Lawrence Thomas 13. So the big guns fired um, this season and commanded the votes. Uh, Ola Toivonen, he won the medal or won the Balls of Steel trophy. A plus for me, right? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I've given him an A. Mm-hmm. So oddly, uh, you think I'm not being generous enough here but <laughs> I think um, yeah, he was a joy to watch and I've, as I've said here in the notes he would have been an A plus if he was on the park the entire True. season you know there True. were just so many critical moments where he wasn't there you know we, we there's nine starts that uh, a certain Kenny Athew mm-hmm. uh, got nine yeah, in the A-League. I'm, I'm, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm sharpening those knives yeah, I'm sharpening yeah. those knives for, <laughs> for Kenny in just a moment um, but yeah Ola Toivonen was very, you know, historically a, a playmaker type striker loves to get his teammates involved. He did a lot of that, but he also scored a lot of goals. And uh, he said at the start of the season, "I'm not a 25 goal a season player." You're playing in the A League, so of course you are. And he probably would have reached that feat had he played this, the entire season. Yep, uh, I, I'm still pinching myself that he's actually decided that he wants to stick around for another year. Um, why wouldn't you though? He's probably going to be on a plane in a couple of days and going back to a European summer and then he'll come back and then he'll just keep doing what he does. Um, being the big man in our squad, oh, it was a joy to watch him this year. It's deceptively agile for his size you know, and, and deceptively got these playmaking abilities as well as being you know your typical sort of robust number nine. Mm-hmm. So... I love it, I, and I can't wait. I want the side to be built around this man next season. You know, he's the fulcrum, you know, and basically everything revolves around a midfield that can supply him with the sort of service that gets the most out of him. Absolutely. Costa Barbarousas, now I said in my pre-season predictions that this guy would have a huge year, and uh, he has. Um, Big. Yeah. Uh, almost Undeniable. led the team in scoring. And uh, unfortunately, the murmurs that he will leave at the end of the season. That's what happens when you have a good year in the A-League. Sometimes you... Uh, oh, he, he issued a massive... Uh, what we say... Oh, I can say it now. He massi- he issued a massive fuck you, pay me mm-hmm. yep. to yep. the club a couple of weeks ago. And, and I guess that's fair enough in, in some respects. Like, h- having said that, you know, we've given him a lot... Yeah. Over the journey, and you know, despite his knack for the odd bad game, you know, in particular in the last few weeks, he's just not looked right. Um, the stats don't lie: fifteen goals in twenty-nine games. You know, it's pretty much a goal every second game. That's it's great return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm improvising, improvising again. Elvis is on next on the list, <laughs> but I'm going to go and do Kenny Athew first. And now, Rudy Edsel, um, FES co-host, is uh, a an apologist for Kenny Athew, uh, an apologist saying, you know, what else do you expect? He's a A-League fringe player. that's probably on minimum wage. Um, this is what you expect out of those players. You know what? I'd at least expect him to score a goal. He didn't score a goal as a backup striker. We needed him to score goals, whether it was one, two, three, four. He, to me, in the games that I saw him play, uh, was unfortunately a... Uh, Someone that just didn't take the step up. We thought that maybe Toivonen, um, being a kind of similar type body and, and things like that, would would teach uh, Kenyathu the ways. And just for whatever reason, he just didn't show me anything that uh, says that he deserves a, a contract next year. Just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Just, just not good enough. Um, zero goals in the A-League. The experiment has failed. It's over. Uh, I've got some bad news for you guys. It's uh, not over. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll carry on. Is he signed for next year? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to oh, that. Oh, damn it. Um, 
So the reason why I wanted to to do uh, Elvis and Kenny Athew before is because Elvis uh, has you can you can see the similarities. He's come in from the NPL, uh, lots of you know excitement around Elvis. Um, and has shown glimpses of uh, exciting play, but ultimately hasn't been able to finish. Um, you give him a B, Dave, because obviously he he was he he was good. But I have this just suspicion and this fear that next year he's going to regress and become Kenny of this year. I think that. Um, and Jai Im, even to a certain extent as well, has has had a similar type history that comes in with all this excitement. Oh, he's a he's a quick he's a quick NBL player, and uh, he shows glimpses for the first few games, and then ultimately just you keep waiting for something to happen and the the penny to drop, and it just doesn't really. I think um, the analogy I used during the season was all sizzle, no sausage. <laughs> um, I would have given him a B plus or even an A because, you know, he's minimum wage. He's mm-hmm. from the NPL, given an opportunity, right? Yeah. If he could finish. Mm-hmm. He, I loved his directness and his enthusiasm and, and just, you know, never say die attitude and he chased down everything. I loved it. Just the finishing just wasn't there. And I think in many respects, many times, many games that, you know, there were just the floodgates may have opened if, if he got one of those, you know, we'll never know. Um, and, you know, obviously he'll get another go next season. He's got another year to go. But, yeah, I, I like what I see because of what what he delivers in, 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 in an energy sense. And, and he does take players on and you'd like to see that. So he gets a, he gets a pass this year, but has to deliver next season. Yeah, Surely has, has to, has has to, to do, do something. Yeah, he does. But you can see, you, you can see if you're going to measure him and Kenny against each other, you can actually see that there's something to work with with Elvis. Mm-hmm. And he, he's on the cusp of producing for this side. And the final one is Jai Ingham. Um, injury curtailed most of his season. Can't really give him a, a real Didn't decent actually rating. play in the A-League that much, but I had to kind of list him because he sort of played enough games. I've yeah. given him a C because, again, you know, the expectation uh, around his role it wasn't that big um and it's hard to grade him as a consequence um of course saved his best for the acl uh, and managed to get on the score sheet there but with cam sober on the scene now you know and uh we'll talk about ingham's future at the club uh, it might be curtains for jai you think so well we're going to get onto that now because we've got the uh, the list of uh the contract statuses for the um for the uh, next season. And uh, before that, we might just take a break and then uh, we'll hear a word from our sponsor. On that sunny day, didn't know I'd meet such a beautiful girl walking down the street. Seen those bright brown eyes with tears coming down. She deserves a crown. Ambrosia Floral Designs, as seen on the block and married at first sight. Located in Tullamarine, Ambrosia specialise in weddings, functions and corporate events. Ambrosia also offer floral workshops which make great gift ideas. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338-3609 or you can contact her online at ambrosiafloraldesigns.com. Mention FBS to receive a discount off your next booking. 
Thank you to Ambrosia there with us since the very, very, yes. very start of FBS. Thank you for another year. And uh, Dave, your bladder is relieved. We can get back on to what we were yes. talking about, which is the uh, the players that are in contract next year, the players that are out con- of contract and definitely going, and the ones that are undecided about whether they will stay or not. We'll do just a really, really brief kind of overview on these ones, maybe uh, one or two words, whether you think they're going or staying. Um so, uh, should we give a shout out to the person who compiled this list for us? Absolutely, Ben Mackay gave us a bit of a hand here because we we generally understand and remember who's signed on when they have and everything. But sometimes, um, you know, you lose track of things, and sometimes the the players of lesser profile uh, slip under the, under the radar a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we were able to get a pretty definitive. So thank you to Benny for that. Uh, so we'll go through the uh, the ones who are definitely staying, we believe, uh, who are contracted for next year at the very least, and that's Ola Toivonen. Uh, he'll stay. Broxham, of course, will stay. Rue and Brown, we, we referenced this earlier, um, ones that could have a discussion about whether they want to uh, terminate their contract and... Um, it's hard. It has, to be, well, has because, to be mutual. You well, know? well the, the discussion has to be you're not in our plans for the, the starting 11 next year. You've yep. got the opportunity to stay with us and play out the year in the NPL um, for the majority of it, or we can terminate your contract and you can try and find first-team yeah. football so elsewhere. That's possible. So I think that discussion is going to be had when the new manager comes in and he watches a few games from last year and says, <laughs> who's, who's, who's that? What the hell happened here? <laughs> uh, oh, Tommy Deng. Tommy Deng, yeah, it, Tommy that's, Deng that's a good contract for, for yeah. someone that uh, we still think has some potential he can uh, he can get out of uh, himself. Terry Antonis, uh, I think he's entering his final year of that two-and-a-half-year deal that he signed uh, in January, um, going a couple of year, years back. And uh, Leslie Otis, Cam Sober, Athew, once again, similar discussion could be had with Kenny Athew. Or is he just signed? No, he's a, a, the remainder of... The fault season to come. Mm-hmm. He, he's signed on for. So uh, I think I may so May next year. This time next year. May have brushed over hope as well. Um, his mum left to his defence yes. in the Facebook comments. Good on her. Um, to all the haters saying, "Well, Josh is signed for next year, so you got to get over it." He's here next year, uh, and then yeah. we've got uh, Lawrence Thomas. He, he's contracted, is he? Yep. So he will get a. We'll yep. get a so we'll get a fee if for anyone him. wants. A piece of lorry. they got to pay the oh, cash. What a piece of business. Well done to the VUC. Uh, Matt Acton and Burkan Kurdar, um, who didn't really get on the pitch this year, or very limited opportunities with the uh, the VUC. Bugger all. Definitely yeah. going, of course, is Carl Valeri, who has retired, and Cascade Honda. Um, I think I saw something pop up on my Facebook feed from the Herald Sun saying victory has failed in their bid to keep Honda. I don't think that was ever on the, uh, on the cards. Really. I mean, we'll never know. Maybe the the club did try, but I think it always looked like it was just going to be the one-year deal. I would have loved another one, but anyway, not at that coin. Some people raising the possibility that Cascade Honda might be the next victory manager, um, of course, um, has yeah, taken nah. uh, Cambodia to great heights. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think he might uh, maybe do something else with Will Smith instead of uh, spending another summer down in Melbourne. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, because he's ruled out going back to the J-League. It's not pushing himself to be better as a soccer player. Um, MLS. It's pretty much that, isn't it? Yeah. I want to be... If he, if he plays. The best kind of angel investor. He'd be good for the MLS. Yeah. I think yeah. I think LA Galaxy with uh, Zla- uh, Zlatan. Zlatan could, uh, could maximise. Message for Zlatan. 
Um, and then bah. undecided. Undecided. Yeah, slash out of contract. Cost of Barbarossa's, you'd say he's about a 90% chance of leaving. Look, that seems to be the perception from the outside looking in. You know, like, uh, just doesn't appear that he'll stick around. You know, apparently, uh, it's one of the Sydney clubs is mm-hmm. sniffing around as well, but I don't know why he'd go there unless they were prepared to offer him marquee wages. Is he a marquee player? I guess based on his output stats this season, yes. But, yeah, interesting one. Uh, Raul Bueno, Bueno? Um, I think he really enjoyed his time in Melbourne. I think if he he probably had his choice, um, just going by kind of just his overall aura, I think he'd probably want to stay. It might not be up to him because he's on a loan deal. He's still contracted to, is it Granada? Yeah. Um, So I think that will all come out in the wash. But um, it'd be interesting to see if he did sign on um, on a contract, um, what his wage would be like. He'd probably command some some decent enough money, so uh, that's something to consider as well. Uh, Gorg Niedermeyer, gone. See ya. See ya. Thank you. Uh, James Cherisi, gone. He's not. He basically he, he played better, but he's going to say, "Show me the money." He well, can- I don't know. I don't know. Like uh, that one's up in the air, I reckon, because. You can see, like, an Adelaide, for example, coming in and offering him better money. And, you know, that might be a lure for him to go back to his hometown, maybe. But I think he's got it pretty good in Melbourne as well. So, we'll see. James Donachie, uh his loan deal comes to an end. Probably going to go back and see if he can crack that first team uh, overseas or uh, possibly sign for another team overseas somewhere. I think he's... Um, we're lucky to get him for those six months. Just be thankful for that and uh, wish him the best. Akbari, uh, interesting. What do you think? Well, oh, no, yeah. we, we poached yeah. him, so... Yeah, give the kid another contract. Him another yep. contract. And Jai Ingham, you'd say... I thought he was, off, I thought he was already off to CCM. Uh, I haven't heard confirmation, but... Mm. I think, that, I would, think, that would seem very likely. I think his greatest hope of getting a contract at the Vuck next season was Kevin Musket, mm. and Kevin Musket is gone. I think he was one of the one of his favourites. What's the common theme out of all this, guys? Uh, visa players. Visa players. It's the most crucial thing here to talk mm-hmm. about all this because only one out of the five is staying. Mm-hmm. Now that one is a very good one in all the tournament. but um, and look, Barbarossus and Bayana may still stay. But you'd lean towards them leaving. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just the... I know you, you say, Dave, I think you may have re- written it down here on the run sheet that the wholesale rotation every season um, you don't really like. But I think... It's an A-League problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm now of the view that not necessarily getting rid of the salary cap, but making modifications to ensure that clubs are able to have a more sustainable approach offer players longer contracts have greater continuity across the league this whole thing that's happening have you seen what's happened at some of the other clubs brisbane western sydney mm. they've jettisoned like yeah, 14 10, changes 12 14 players like yeah, of course and then new manager comes in gets his own players or in western united's case the players half the players have already been signed before the manager arrives we, we're getting a lot of this wrong, I reckon. But anyway, that's another topic. Well, I think the whole the whole argument of uh, having a salary cap is that it means that any team can win it. But who's won the last <laughs> four, four titles? It's been and look, 
I understand the logic behind the salary cap. It was very much necessary and everything like that. And I'm not saying straight out scrap it, but it has to be looked at. And look, so many of these things are going to hinge upon this independence thing that we'll find out about in the next few months. So in the last, well, pretty much this decade, three teams have won it. Have they? No. I'm trying no. to look back. No. Brisbane. Brisbane, no, yeah, so Central Coast and Adelaide pinch one in 2013 and 16. But apart from that, it's been Brisbane Raw three in a row, Melbourne Victory 2015, 2018, and then uh, Sydney Sydney 17, 19. So pretty much it's the same clubs over and over winning it, bar two clubs who pinch one um, pretty much. So it doesn't really add too much credence to that argument that uh, we've got a really level playing field at the moment because the same clubs are... And you can see it manifesting itself in the way the clubs are organised. Sydney FC, a well-run club. Mm-hmm. Melbourne Victory, a well-run club. Stability, you know, good fan bases, all these sorts of things. Salary cap has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's more about the uh, the way the club is run and the culture, the culture at the clubs. Uh, so yeah, I, I think um, you know I'm looking forward to just what the off season holds for Melbourne Victory. This is a great what if season for us. Um, I think I discussed uh, in the preseason some of the, the similarities perhaps between uh, this squad that we assembled and the squad that we assembled in season three after our um, first grand final win, where the pedigree was there and it, it looked like you know how can this team not win a championship and then for whatever reason things occur and um, it doesn't really happen but obviously better season than that season three but some similarities felt like the harry kill year too it very much felt like the harry kill year um where we had we had carlos we had kill we had archie thompson and we just didn't get it done and Mm -hmm. um the coach ended up leaving Let's move along to just uh, briefly on the A-League Grand Final. Uh, nil all after extra time. Uh, Sydney win in Gee, penalties. That That's their third championship on out pens. of four on pens. Now, let me uh, throw a, a really bad take at you that's uh, akin to a journalist that's just trying to get some airtime with a silly suggestion. Um, but in the Sheffield Shield and the cricket, um, and I know this goes against everything in football, but you have to beat the champion at the end of the regular season to claim the title in the grand final. So, therefore, if you draw, the winner is whoever won the Premier's plate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sydney, like, I feel like last year was a slightly hollow win for us. It was great because we shoved it up a whole bunch of teams coming from uh, outside the top two. It was a slightly hollow feeling not being the, the best team all season and then going on to win a, a, a title. How it must feel for Sydney FC fans that they have played four championships and have not actually commanded the games in, in three of them and come along with the result. I'm sure they're over the moon, but to me that just says something's wrong. <laughs> uh, look, far be it from me to give them any credit, but when you consider, you know, Graham Arnold left, they didn't have a home ground, they lost their main marquee for a lot of the season uh, to, to achieve what they, what they did in the end. Perth obviously can feel very aggrieved by the way it pans out and then you know all of that argument around first past the post versus finals comes up this situation necessarily brings all of that up into yep. the open so uh yeah i'm uh, a huge advocate of the grand final hey look the nsl the nsl had a grand final 
Yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah. it's nothing the, new the for these countries. Finals is a, it's nothing to do with the A-League. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's no, nothing new. Look, I think the only thing that um, I don't hate Sydney for for this win was that they actually scored and they got ripped off by VAR and they actually did score a goal. So True. Uh, Perth were their own worst enemy in that game, unfortunately, and I predicted so that they were going to have a bit of stage fright and they did, so bad luck. Really disappointed. Both teams went out to not lose. Rather than to try and win, yeah, it sucks. I mean, particularly the home side, fifty-six thousand people. We haven't seen those record crowd. Unfortunately, our our, our record got broken. We haven't seen that um, in Perth yeah, for a very league, long this time. This league seems to do that. The bigger the crowd, the worse the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems to happen quite a bit. So. Uh, we've only got five more minutes left. We have to get home. We've yeah. both got dad duties. Uh, that's a that's a trip. We all do. Who would have thought six months ago to be doing that? Yeah. Um, but uh, Keska Honda, obviously, his time at the he's uh, drawing to a close. Um, some touching moments on Instagram over the last twenty four hours. Um, hashtag last game. Hashtag in Australia. Um, just casting a, a downtrodden figure after his time, a reflective figure. Um, just kudos to his social media manager who was exemplary all season long. We'll never see anything like it again. Mm-hmm. For a you know what, he he time. held up his end of the bargain. Unfortunately, the club probably didn't maximise his uh, potential, but he uh, well and truly uh, met all the metric six hundred twenty thousand followers on Instagram um, when he signed. Japanese fans, casual fans all followed us. There was... All around the country too. Hysteria. Yep. Um, so there was another good one um, from four days ago. Yeah, I just had that one up. Turns into a thermal type uh, burn. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. It's it, My uh, favourite is his... Um, his sequence of photos and it's this is how the pictures have been chosen by my photographer (laughs) the paparazzi photos are fantastic of course um what else have we got to cap off before we sign off for the year um socceroos i think they're fielding a largely experimental squad with fringe players in the a-league um for some upcoming friendlies is that right dave that's correct. Up against South Korea South in Korea. a friendly, so not, not an easy game. By three Melbourne Victory players were called up. Terry, Terry Antonis, um, well and truly. A bit late. Yeah, well and truly late. Thomas Deng and Lawrence Thomas, so uh, well done to those guys. Thomas Deng is a surprise one, given the fact that we said he probably didn't take the step, but um, he's, well, he's been he's been earmarked. In and around. He's been groomed yeah. as, a, as a potential uh, first choice um, starter in the Socceroos squad for, for many years to come. Um, and we'll sign off uh, quickly with... Uh, Mark Rudan has been announced as the Western United manager. They've signed up Kappa as their kit sponsor. The team's coming along. It'll be interesting to see how they go. Another away trip to a, a, to Geelong next season. It'll be good when they get into their stadium. Um, I hate them more than City already. Already? Yeah. More than? I think I hate... Because they... I think I hate that Because they screwed Team 11. No, just, oh, yeah, they screwed Team 11. I just also think I hate that turncoat. Jim. Oh, the moustache guy. Yeah, the moustache yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He Jim. was, he was um, putting up photos on his uh, Facebook with Go Victory, you know, six or seven months ago. And now is uh, basically, I mean, there used to be um, a bit of criticism for Tuna when uh, when he was the capo of uh, of the victory of, uh, sorry, the, the Blue and White Brigade as being a bit of a, a media whore trying to get his, uh, his head on the TV. But this guy takes it to a new level. Yeah, I think if we thought that the Melburnians or whoever... They were for that terrace for Melbourne City were bad. I think these guys are going to be cornball Maximus. Have you seen their game so far? Carpe DM is their official (laughs) group, but the unofficial one, they're calling it the Western Service Crew. And you can tell it was written by some prepubescent kid because they're saying, we are not opposed to any form of violence or (laughs) racism. 
And it's like, uh, sorry, we do, we, we condone. Condone. Yeah, I meant to say <laughs> condemn. Like, um, is, that a, is that a typo? Yeah. Or is this legit? Uh, it's hard to know. I'm from the West. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll watch that space. Uh, Mark Rudana. I, I said this on the pod as well. As um, as soon as something better comes along, he's going to ditch that Wellington Phoenix team. And uh, he did a great job with them, but um, yeah. he's... He's, uh, he's packed up his bags and he's left them in the, in the lurch. We're going to sign off for the season um, to the two boys who have been doing the power of the work for the last 30 weeks. It's a long, long season. We start this in probably July or August. It's, it's May now doing regular podcasts, taking time away from family. Hardest season yet. <laughs> yeah, having kids. Um, yeah, it's been tough for all of us. Um, and um, yeah, we try to keep up the quality as much as possible. And we hope uh, you've enjoyed it. Um, we thank you for listening along all season. We'll be back next year. I probably won't be. Um, but these two boys will be back, hopefully. And look, uh, it goes without saying a, a big thank you to Rudy and to Josh mm. and the people at FNR um, who have helped us along during this season. They've just been amazing. So thank you. Absolutely. So for the final time this year, it's goodbye and... Mother Oh, no.